This is Rock and Roll English. Real people, real English. Here's your host, Martin Johnston. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Rock and Roll English, episode number 276, baby. Oh yeah. And Rock and Roll English on a Tuesday. What the hell is going on, hey? Something special must be going on. And let me tell you, something special is going on. Because in today's episode, I speak to someone famous, let's say, certainly famous in the teaching English industry. If you are an English teacher, because I know many English teachers listen to Rock and Roll English from all over the world. So if you are an English teacher, I'm sure you will have heard of this man. His name is Adrian Underhill and he is, well, I describe him in the podcast as the godfather of pronunciation, but I don't think that even does it justice. Uh, Just a wonderful teacher, but even more, a wonderful person. And I did a two-week training course with Adrian in Cambridge very recently. The name of the course was Pronunciation and Storytelling. And let me tell you, I learned a lot, so much, in fact, that I want to run a similar online course in September because I want to share this knowledge with you and to empower you to become better communicators in English. So pay attention to your emails, the podcast, social media. I will be talking about this course soon. I imagine it will happen in about mid to late September. But as I said, stay tuned. Now, before we get to my conversation with Adrian, because he was very kind to speak to me at the end of this two-week course, I also spoke to some of my course colleagues, let's say, who were and are, they're still alive, English teachers from all different parts of the world, okay? It also works as, let's say, a trailer for the main event of the conversation with Adrian. So here is the first part of the podcast where I speak to other people from the course and what they learned from it. It's a bit of a longer episode today, about 40 minutes in total, I think. No R&R vocab and grammar, obviously. Today we're just concentrating on the topic. Okay, so here is the first part of the episode. Happy listening. So first of all, I speak to Thomas from Poland. So let's see what Thomas says to the question of what did you learn on this course? This course, this training has been very informative and has completely changed my approach to pronounce teaching pronunciation. Notice how he said this course has completely changed his approach to teaching pronunciation. And that is absolutely the same for me and I'm sure for everyone else on the course. And the reason for this is no one really shows you how to do this in your teacher training. But like anything, once someone shows you what to do, how to do it, you think, oh, right. When I was at college at first, I absolutely found um, the phoneme chart complex and very hard to understand, very hard to follow. And now, after two weeks, it uh, opened my eyes and it all seems, seems very simple. Again, a very important point. Also for me, that phonemic chart, I looked at that and thought, what the f*** is that? I have no idea. 
But again, when someone talks you through it and makes you understand all of the details, why this is there, why this is there, again, you think, oh, and this is one of the things that I want to help you with. Because also for me, like my friend Thomas, it has become very simple. So I want to make it simple for you too. Now, we are going to hear from Thomas again at the end of the episode because he actually said something which was a big surprise for me, which I didn't know until just now, a few weeks after I finished the course. It really touched me as well. So I thought we will save that bit until the end. But I also spoke to another teacher called Marcela from Brazil and I asked her why did she do the course and here is her response. I wanted to take a deeper insight into the chart that Adrian teaches because I believe the mastering all the sounds in there are really important for students to to gain more confidence when they are speaking. At least that's what I noticed that my students were lacking. Most people that I had met when I was traveling around the world, they are not very confident with their knowledge. And if they had grasped this, that would make it much more easier for them to go forward. Mm -hmm. Another very important point, how mastering the sounds makes you more confident in speaking. Lots of people say, I feel stupid when I speak English. I sound terrible when I speak English, which usually is not true. It's just because we hate the sound of our own voice. But the key behind this is, as my colleague Marcella said, mastering the sounds. Once you have mastered all of the sounds in English, you will feel more confident speaking. It is a fact. Then I asked Marcella what the biggest takeaway from the course was. What was the main thing that she learned? And here is her response. It was reinforcing the, the idea that there is no such a thing as a perfect English, especially for non-native speakers. But we shouldn't be talking about a native, oh, you should speak like a native, which is something that we see there a lot, but rather, how can you make sure that people can easily understand you? And then we go back to what Adrian says about, uh, talks about easy intelligibility. And that's what every single English learner should be worried about. Can people easily understand me? And how can I make sure that whoever I'm talking to can actually focus on the meaning of my message because the idea why we want to learn another language is mainly to communicate, to exchange information. Absolutely, because that's why we're all here, isn't it? We want to communicate and talk to other people. Otherwise, what's the point in languages and, in my opinion, if you don't want to talk to anyone else, what's the point? with life in general. Um, but anyway, so some fantastic stuff there from Marcella. I also spoke to another one of my colleagues from the course, Andres, who came all the way from Uruguay. He is also a teacher trainer. And when I asked him why he did the course, this is what he said. Well, I took a course with Adrian uh, three years ago and I really liked the the way in, he, in which he teaches. I love this as well, because it's totally true. When you find someone who teaches something in a way that you like, a way that resonates with you and touches you, it's obviously a good idea to continue with that person. And 
I totally agree with Andres here because Adrian, as you will find out, is someone who speaks so well, explains concepts so well. And that is obviously why he has had the success in the career that he has had. So my next question again to Andres was, what is the main thing that he learned from the course? So here is his response. This time I wanted to go into pronunciation and see how I could um, help my students uh, get uh, uh, to understand. And I discovered that uh, it is not about telling them about the sounds but getting the sounds from them and understanding that each one of us has have our own idea of what uh, the sounds might be and we can come up with them just by using the the adequate techniques so in in that way i think it's it's a good sign for students that we all can produce the the sounds mm. uh just with a little bit of help let's say this is the real beauty of what we learned in this course, in my opinion, that all of these sounds exist in everyone, in you as well, in every English learner. All of these sounds exist, but it is horrible, isn't it? When someone says, make this sound, you make the sound, it's wrong. But as Andres said, with the techniques that we learned from this wonderful teacher, Adrian, you will see that the sounds are inside of you and can be brought out of you, not through repeat, but through specific techniques, which will help you actually make the correct sounds. And then, as we said, also become a more confident speaker. So now on to the main part of the show. I am not going to interrupt like I have been for these you've probably already found that annoying enough I don't know why I did it to be honest but anyway so I am going to play the conversation with Adrian it's about 30 minutes and then I am going to talk to you again very quickly at the end to summarize the main things that I learned and we will also hear again from Thomas and hear the thing that he said without me knowing, which I want to share with you later on. So here is the conversation with Adrian. Happy listening. So hello, Adrian, and welcome to Rock and Roll English. Hello, Martin. Uh, great to be here. I'm looking forward to this, whatever it is. <laughs> um, I'm very obviously very excited to have you on the show. In fact, I thought... You're the only person who's appeared on the show of whom I have asked an autograph. Okay. Oh, so <laughs> that's al nice. Already, you're a very special person. Uh, great, thank you. Um, <clears throat> so, as I mentioned in the introduction to the podcast, um, Adrian is, let's say, the godfather of pronunciation and, in my opinion, teaching pronunciation. I think you revo revolutionised this with the phonetic chart is it the phonemic or the phon uh, well i would i would generally call it phonemic chart. right okay yes. so i've already made a mistake but, well that's not a mistake um which you which you obviously invented yeah i originated this layout of this chart using phonemes yes mm -hmm. yeah i didn't originate the phonemes obviously mm -hmm. and i didn't originate the idea of having sounds on a chart but putting them in that order and yeah. putting all of the sounds in the english language in one place which is obviously very important I think, for learners, because it gives them that reference map. Exactly. It does give them a map, both mm. a physiological map in, in, in their mouths 
and a sort of visual cognitive map when they can see that all the sounds are on one page, in fact. Yeah, in fact, this was one of the things you mentioned this week, how a grammar book might be 2,000 pages, but with the sounds of the English language, you have one page, not page two, mm. not the second book. And that's it. And it's, and it's all there. It's just one page, yeah. Exactly. Um, so, on to the question. So, yeah. the first mm. question, which... Um, someone from the online community, the rock and roll English family asked, is a question I asked myself, I must admit, as a teacher for a long time of why is pronunciation important? Now, I think I, as a teacher, avoided this topic for a long time because I think, like many teachers, I was scared of it. I saw these strange symbols and kind of thought, what's that? So I kind of convinced myself that it wasn't important. Now, obviously, I've changed my mind um, recently, largely thanks to you. But so tell people, ex- explain to people who maybe think that why, obviously, in your opinion, it is important. Well, uh, pronunciation itself, perhaps, isn't important. But what is important is being fairly easily understood, easy comprehension, mm-hmm. um, easy intelligibility. Uh, that's what's important, so that we can enjoy speaking, feeling that we're being understood, mm-hmm. and we can enjoy listening to people because we feel that without too much struggle, we're joining in their communication. Sure. And for that, some kind of skill in pronunciation is needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a matter of being accurate or exactly right, as if there is some model everyone must stick to. I think that's a, a, um, a bygone idea. But it is a matter of um, finding an accent that most people are going to understand uh, when one speaks. And uh, that's important. And that also influences how one listens. So pronunciation affects both one's capacity to listen and one's capacity to speak. Absolutely. Yeah, and especially with things like connected speech, of how words are often like pushed together. Um, I think once, yeah, if you understand that and you can make that sound, then it's much more likely you're going to understand that sound. That's right. If you can uh, connect together words in connected speech in a more or less English-speaking way, you will be much more able to understand those kinds of words when they are connected together in connected Mm. speech. In other words, practicing connected speech enables you to comprehend connected speech. Sure. Um, And I've heard you say with um, students and stuff, this is the first thing that you would do. The very first lesson introduced this. Why is that? Uh, First lesson to do what? The first lesson you said if you had a class of English Ah. learners, you would get them familiar with the chart. Yes, uh, that's right. And... I'm not teaching the chart, but the chart is a good uh, tool within to, with which to put into circulation the sounds of English. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to say in that first lesson, get it right. Uh, I'm trying to say to students, look, uh, these are the 12 vowels. You haven't got to be exactly right, but... If you can try to hear that they are different, and if you can find some 12 differences in your mouth, you've made a start. 
So I want all the sounds, consonants and, and vowels, to be in circulation, and then gradually they'll improve uh, as the uh, days go by. But they all do need to be in circulation from the beginning, because you can't have a pronunciation syllabus. You need everything now. Mm. Uh, you can have a grammar syllabus, and you can have a vocabulary syllabus, obviously. But sounds you need from the beginning. So let's have them in circulation, and then we can, if we've got a chart, we can, when we need to, point to them, identify them, see that they uh, are the same ones as last time that sound came up, and also feel ourselves gradually getting better at the tricky ones. Absolutely. Um, because another interesting thing you mentioned this week is how I had never thought of this. Pronunciation is in everything. You can't mm. have a reading lesson or a speaking lesson without it because, as you mentioned, even when you're reading, you're you're reading this in your head and you're That's writing, it. you're saying it. So it literally is in every single part. That's right. It is amazing. It's in every school. Spelling isn't in every mm, all the four schools, but pronunciation is. Mm. It's there when you're writing because you are formulating the words in your head in mm. some kind of pronunciation. Absolutely. It's there when you're reading because most people, even when reading silently, are to some degree sub-vocalizing mm. uh, Perhaps very fluent speakers aren't, but most are, learners are. And of course, it's there when you're listening and when you're uh, uh, um, speaking. Absolutely. So it, it's there all the time. Always there. And uh, a teacher who says, I don't teach pronunciation, is missing a very key point. Because in not teaching pronunciation, they are necess necessarily forcing the student to fall back on their mother tongue pronunciation of English, which is the only pronunciation they've got available. This means that with every new bit of English, they are, perforce, learning uh, the pronunciation of that English in their mother tongue language pronunciation because the teacher's not doing anything about it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so some people may be like you said, they don't learn these things from the beginning, maybe get to a certain point um, maybe later, maybe they're at like a B2 kind of upper intermediate level. Is it ever too late to go back and learn those sounds? I don't think it's ever uh, too late at all. Just the same as it's never too late to start getting fit and people in their 60s are encouraged to uh, perhaps gently uh, start running. And the miracle thing is that within two months they find themselves running, maybe not long distances, but running. Uh, no, it's very, very necessary. And um, uh, pronunciation is a muscular thing and the muscles can be uh, brought into action. The fact is, uh, at any point, let's say you get to an ad advanced level with poor pronunciation. Well, first, I don't know how that is possible. Uh, presumably, it's called advanced because that person has uh, a good vocabulary, a good grammar and can read and write. Uh, they would not be called advanced if it was listening and speaking, I suppose. Um, but uh, even putting that aside, uh, such a person is going to be more able to communicate if they have uh, a better idea of pronunciation and um, more able to learn English because they will hear what's going on better. Mm -hmm. They won't rely on learning from books. They can join in conversations and hear better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, so I suppose the big question... How can I improve pronunciation? Even the word pronunciation, I have difficulty with that <laughs> yeah. word. But well, we all do, yeah, yeah, probably. How can I 
I'm talking as a student. Okay. And so how can I improve it? What maybe one or two techniques? Well, I I think the, the first thing, which is the key to everything in my view, is that you, the student, need to connect with the muscles that make the pronunciation difference. And perhaps at the risk of oversimplifying, nevertheless, I think it's very helpful for students. We can talk about really only four sets of muscles. One is the lips, one is the tongue, one is the jaw, which opens and closes, and one is the voice, which is kind of on or off. Uh, There's also the lungs for uh, uh, breath and for for stress. But let's just take the first four. Um, We're in contact with those learning our mother tongue then we've learnt our mother tongue and it's habituated and we don't have to be in touch with those muscles. There's other stuff to learn in the world. When we come to another language, we need to come back to those muscles so that we can get behind the habits and just tweak them a bit and come out with new sounds. And that's not very difficult to do once you connect with the muscles. If you don't connect with the muscles, but just keep trying to repeat after a teacher, uh, it's it remains very mysterious and very haphazard and hit and miss and perhaps demotivating for both teacher and student. So I would say the first thing is to make contact in a physical and visceral way with the muscles. Mm. Um, because, yeah, I unfortunately, over the years, found myself in that situation of repeat this word, the student says it incorrectly, I say no, it's like this, without actually being aware of what was happening in my mouth to help the student, but... Obviously, this week, you have helped me also as a native speaker to connect with my tongue, my jaw, because as you mentioned, it's automatic and you don't think of these things. So as you said, you need to like get in contact, let's say, with these muscles. Um, and then, yeah, even just moving them around, you realize that you make different sounds. I didn't realize yes. that just by opening my mouth, I will make a different sound. Yeah. Um, uh, so we can make students more aware of this movement by just saying words super slow, mm. like if you speak at this speed, you can actually feel your lips and your tongue moving, and you suddenly can see that that's the territory where it's all happening. Yeah, uh, and you've raised another point there, Martin, that. Um, if when a student makes a mistake, one a, pro, a prawn mistake, one thing a teacher can do is to say the right thing and the student repeats it and maybe he gets it right, but he doesn't quite know why he got it right because he doesn't mm. know what he did. Or maybe he never quite gets it right because he can't get hold of those muscles. They're, they're habituated. But if the teacher finds the student's pronunciation in his or her own mouth, then the teacher knows the starting point, where the student is, and then the teacher can make the sound uh, he's after. And when he tracks from the wrong sound to the right sound, he can see the little movement of the tongue or the lips that are necessary. Then he knows what he's trying to get the student to do. I actually think that is one-off, if not the biggest takeaway I've had from from these two weeks, because I never knew how to deal with that situation. Student makes the wrong sound. How can I make the student make the correct sound? But yeah, so identifying where it is in my mouth and then I can then 
give these instructions to the student. Find it in your math and then you know exactly the journey that the student's got to make. And then your next problem is is, well, how to make that journey. But at least Mm. you know what the problem is and what the journey is. Whilst before I I was totally lost, but like we said, now now I I have a map. Um, But okay, so one, let's say, more specific question. Something um, which I've tried as well, which I personally think is useful, but I would like to get your thoughts on this. It's sometimes referred to as a shadowing technique where you basically repeat what the speaker says and I've mentioned before how podcasts are useful for this because people can listen to a podcast and basically repeat what the speaker is saying the intonation the rhythm um, what are your thoughts on this is this a useful tool I, I think it is now uh, when you say that I can hear you saying what uh, possibly two kinds of exercise one is where I repeat in a little space after the voice and I try to get it the same and there's a space left for me after their voice. And the other, which is perhaps what you're saying, I try to say what they're saying absolutely at the same time, in which case I need perhaps to have the text in front of me. Mm. Are you meaning that? I mean, both. Okay. Well, uh, traditional language laboratory uh, exercises have repetition after and I do think that there is use in that. Um, beyond just repetition. Uh, But let's deal with the other situation more. Uh, If you've worked with the text a little bit and you then try to, so to speak, lose your voice in the movement of the speaker's voice uh, and you've got the text beside you, so you're trying to absolutely parallel, and I would call it parallel speaking, you call it ghosting, I think it's really useful because, first of all, it gives you the speed. Secondly, it gives you the intonation to try to hide in. Thirdly, it gives you the fact that the energy is shifting and some syllables have a lot of energy and some syllables have very little. And So that energy distribution, which is part of English stress, is also made manifest. And you're trying... And then when you play back, you hope to hear that your voice is like a double voice like doubling the voice but of course what you hear is times when you're out of sync and then that gives you clues as to what you're not doing whether it's speed or whether it's pitch or whether it's the energy distribution or whether it's the stress i think it's i think it's a really useful exercise so now moving on to some to let's say the second part of this course that we did because we started um by looking at sounds Um, and then words and then connected speech and then putting all this together we actually moved on to stories which we will talk about in a minute but one thing I heard you say a lot in these two weeks was speaking from the heart and why it's important so first of all tell us what what does that mean and well why is it important how can we do it well for me speaking from the heart is something about being myself in the world and um, uh, putting myself and my feeling and my ideas and what's important to me in, into the world. So uh, saying things which are important to me and worth saying, uh, saying things to which I can commit myself rather than just saying things for practice or saying things because uh, they're in the course book, which it may be a useful idea, but my heart may not be in it. So I think it's to do with uh, having feeling in what I'm saying. And if I've got feeling in what I'm saying, 
there's more of me in it, more of uh, what's important to me at the moment in it, more passion in it perhaps, uh, more need for expression, more excuse for intonation uh, and volume uh, and some degree of uh, some degree of passion. I don't want to overdo it, but some degree of passion, all of which are attractive things to listeners, all of which call listeners to listen. And I think as speakers, we need that. We need to be able to play with that. Mm. Yeah, and obviously, I think you have that because I think you have this presence of when you talk, everyone in the room, it was total silence because you had engaged all of us. And one of the ways which I think you do this, and I think you do this very well, is speaking slowly. And again, this is something which I think I have really learned in these two weeks, especially when I listen to myself on this podcast, I sometimes think, what am I even saying? There are just words that are just almost making no sense. And again, something else you have said a lot is, I think you said speaking slowly is the key to solving the problems in in the world, something like that. Why is speaking slowly so important? First of all, speaking slowly is more comprehensible to the listener. Secondly, speaking slowly gives me, the speaker, uh, a chance for my feeling to get in there and some degree of thought. I can, to a degree, plan my words and know what I'm saying. And I think that's a great advantage for a language learner to feel it's okay to pause and to find the words for the next phrase. And then the next area, the third area, is that it helps listeners because listeners get a little pause to digest, to drink it in, uh, and are not uh, being bombarded with a a torrent of words spoken perhaps too quickly and therefore perhaps a little carelessly, more words than are needed. Sure, there are times when we do that, nothing wrong with it. But what I'm talking about is times when it's kind of part of the game that people should listen or want to listen or that you want to attract people to listen. And I think teachers uh, would benefit from perhaps speaking a bit slower with a bit more pause. And I think it's also interesting to note that when we are anxious, we do tend to speed up. I mean, we can speak quickly without being anxious, but I think when we're anxious, we may speed up. Um, So relax, chill, have time. Uh, Orators mostly speak slower. Actors on stage can speak quickly, but on the whole, they speak slower uh, and they draw in our uh, feelings and emotions. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I noticed a couple of times this week where someone asked you a question and instead of responding immediately, you took that pause. Whilst again, as a teacher, sometimes I think someone's asked me a question. I've responded immediately without thinking at all what I'm going to say and sometimes asking myself, what the hell am I saying here? <laughs> it's just utter nonsense that comes yeah. out. So, yeah, taking that time, I think. Yeah, I, I do the same. Um And at the same time, I think, when asked a question, let's just see what to say and have a little pause. 
one hasn't got to fill every silence. Actually, people like a little silence, mm -hmm. and silence itself draws attention. Absolutely. That, again, like I said, one of the big things I've learned this week. Um, so the final thing, one of my favourite things, all listeners of the podcast know how much I love stories and I always mention how it's important for learners, but I think maybe I'm not able to articulate this so well. So in your opinion, why is it important, um, especially for a language learner? Why, why are stories a well, great way? <coughs> I, I, you do think it's important. I think you have spoken well about it, and I like very much, though I haven't seen much of it yet, your collection of stories from um, podcast listeners. And I think that's a, a really great line to go down. As for myself, uh, I think that it's an enormous benefit for a language learner to have some kind of performance piece, even if it's very short, that is being worked on and developed over a lesson or two or, or a week or two or perhaps longer, it depends. Uh, so that all the study we're doing of words and stress and, 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 and grammar and vocabulary and all the rest of it uh, is at the same time, some of it is going into... Uh, an, an organic piece of language that's gradually being filled out and studied and learned better. Um, and that well-spoken, practiced bit of English is just an example for that. It's a practice pad. It's a practice location, a little adventure playground for them. It's not all the English they're going to produce, but it's a bit. It's a practice location for them to, to, to uh, perfect... Uh, as much as they can, um, a handful of words or a hundred words or, or, or uh, 10 minutes of speaking according to their level. And stories are good for this because they are interesting, they're from the heart, and everyone listens to stories. Um, so a story is a great thing to be learning, or it could be poems. And again, that has, you know, that has the sort of speaking from the heart opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, and a story has sounds, Stress and, uh, and unstress. Uh, it has uh, connected speech. It has all the features. And it has uh, communication. And it has a purpose. And your heart can be in it. It's everything. Absolutely. I think as myself, as a language learner, the only time I've done this was actually at my wedding where I gave a speech. Some of it was in English, but some of it was in Italian as well. And I told a few stories in the speech in Italian and yeah the sense of achievement I had as well after I told that I practiced that so much as well I practiced all of these things the sounds the rhythm the intonation and I think the sense of achievement that a learner has once they perform this maybe in a classroom or well, in my case it was at a wedding is something else very valuable. Uh, that's a really great example mm. of something which meant something to you. It was important that people were listening. Uh, it was a one-off occasion. And if you think about it, if we don't have a performance piece, it means that every bit of practice that's done in the classroom 
you know, let's say the sentence with the grammar and you practice the right words in the right order and then another sentence which is the uh, vocabulary and then some more sentences which are comprehension questions after a text and then some more sentences in, on another page of the unit which is uh, to do with the topic which is, I don't know, travel or something. Uh, we temporarily get better for a few seconds at a, a thousand different bits but they're never put into one thing which is itself getting better and better and better and is a repository of all that's being learned sure. uh, until it gets as good as it can be and then it's performed and then it's let go and we perhaps begin building up something else so it's a holding place for for so much that uh, the awarenesses that are learned and it, it can be felt and seen to improve over you know how whatever the period of time is and then performed which is a little bit of stress a little bit of worry and yet students do it and they're transformed by the doing it and by the having done it absolutely <coughs> yeah i mean i in this course we told a story obviously i told it in my native language english but i still had all of those feelings yes of <laughs> like all of everything you just described of doing it in my native language so yeah doing it in a foreign language it's even more sense of achievement but that brings us to the end, Adrian. I just want to say a huge thank you, one, for talking to me, and secondly, for these two weeks, you've been a huge inspiration for me, and I just want to say thank you. Well, thanks very much, Martin. Great to speak on your podcast and to your uh, people listening to it, and also uh, marvellous to have you along uh, with us all on the journey this last fortnight. It's been fantastic for me too. Thank you very much. Okay, well, take care and we hope to hear from you soon. Okay, look forward to that. Bye-bye. Cheers. So, there we have it. So, there we have it. The man himself, Adrian Underhill. I'm sure you enjoyed the conversation. I hope you did as much as me. I just want to summarise a few things that he said very quickly and also things I learned in the course. So we spoke about being easily understood. One thing as well is to enjoy speaking. When you have all of these sounds, you can really enjoy speaking and not have to say, oh, I speak in a terrible way. It's horrible when I speak. You can really actually enjoy speaking. It is possible. Also, there is no fixed model. There is no this is correct. Nothing else is correct. But the important thing is to be easily understood and to accommodate your listener. Also, how pronunciation affects your ability to listen, because if you can say it, you can hear it. Another thing I liked is how Adrian says he doesn't teach the chart, the phonemic chart. He teaches the sounds. The chart just represents those sounds, the 44 sounds of English. Also, that pronunciation is everywhere. In every part of language, pronunciation is there. And it's never too late to learn or improve your pronunciation. Because, as he mentioned, many people have to just rely on the pronunciation of their native language instead of actually learning the pronunciation features of the new language, in this case, English, I imagine. And to do that, we need to make contact with our muscles, with our mouth, our lips, our jaw, 
our tongue and our voice, things that we didn't really know how to move. Certainly I didn't, but when someone shows you, you realise it is possible. And also speaking from the heart, speak with passion, be interested. Otherwise, what's the point in life? If you're just speaking because you need to speak, speak with passion, speak slower as well. My God, it's amazing what this has already done for me. I know it sounds so easy and stupid, but Seeing Adrian speak in a slow way and with the impact he has when he speaks, I thought, yes, that is what I want to do. I want to speak with impact to be a better communicator. And how he said silence. People actually like a little bit of silence. It draws attention. And that's what you need when you are communicating. You want people's attention when you communicate. And silence does that exactly that and about how we can be transformed when we give a performance let's say either telling a story reading a poem as he said it actually can transform you as I mentioned that's exactly what it did for me when I gave a speech at my wedding in Italian it transformed me I thought you know what my Italian's pretty damn good whilst before that I always thought oh I'm not so sure but Anyway, I could talk forever about everything I learned on this course. But as I said, I want to share this with you in the future in September. But before we go, let's go back to my colleague Thomas from the course who recorded this piece without me. I didn't realise he had said this. So I just want to play something else that he said. I'm also going to remember all of the advice that I received from Martin. I want to say that Martin has been a great help in facilitating um, a lot of um, skills in me, um, including um, emphasizing the most important elements of what I want to say and also helping me to gain more confidence when speaking in public. I think he's a great educator, uh, very intelligent and also with a fantastic sense of humor. So first of all, I want to say I didn't pay him to say that. I had no idea that he had said that. Secondly, obviously, I would like to say thank you. But thirdly, I thought it's interesting how you can learn from other people on the course. Because for me, we were all there to learn from Adrian. But in reality, we actually learned from each other on the course. That is the beauty of these group environments. But Thomas didn't stop there. Let's hear what else he said. And don't worry, this bit is not about me. I also want to um, thank Adrian Underhill for being so supportive uh, for the two weeks that we have just spent with him and for putting all of his heart uh, into teaching us the pronunciation and the storytelling. Obviously, I totally agree with this as well. But notice how he said how Adrian put all of his heart into teaching us. I think this is really important as well teaching from the heart and not the book. That is what I try to do as well as a teacher to make a connection with people because it's so important. And as Thomas said, Adrian did that so well with us and it helps you actually learn better because you respect this person so much. But Thomas did not stop there. This is the last bit. I think it was a formidable experience which allowed us to... Uh, upgrade our skills in levels which were hard to imagine before coming here. It is very valuable experience, has transformed our 
teaching practice and uh, is going to make our lessons much more attractive in the future so that now we have uh, our heads full of ideas and we can't wait to to return to the classrooms and just get get it rolling exactly as thomas said there i also have my head full of ideas it has transformed the way i teach and i also cannot wait to share this knowledge with you unfortunately i don't teach in a real life classroom anymore but i teach in the online one and as i said i will be running something hopefully in the middle of september end of september where i can try to pass on as much knowledge as i can in my teaching style and teaching from the heart and speaking slowly so remember to stay tuned for that thanks everyone for listening i will see you all very soon but in the meantime just keep on rocking baby thanks so much for listening to rock and roll english for more great content and to stay up to date visit rockandrollenglish.com and facebook.com slash rock and roll english we'll catch you next time